All right, what we're addressing now the um, the integration of the schools uh, and what part you personally uh, had to do your involvement in in these times. So I guess my first question is, where were you? Um, were you in a school district? Or were you in a school at, at right a little before nineteen? Fifties, the early fifties. Yes. You mean was I teaching or in a profession? Yeah. I left the YMC in '48, I think it was, and left and went to Virginia for a year in '49, and then came back to St. Louis to Ferguson, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, that was to leave. Um, to leave to start teaching because you couldn't teach in St. Louis without a year of experience in the secondary schools, and that's what I was thinking. Well, that's what my degree was for. So I couldn't go uh, right into a high school in St. Louis. The standard rule, I guess was standard, was that you had to have one year of experience. So I left the YMCN, went out there and got a year of experience. That was, of course, very <laughs> segregated. We were over in one side of the town, and and the high school was up in the other, and the twain never crossed or met. We've dealt with other uh, towns up and down in Virginia, insofar as relations were concerned, and uh, so that was a very um, very compact, segregated situation. Then back to Ferguson, and. Uh, where I taught on Carson Road, I was a teaching principal, so to speak. And, so, uh, and what did you teach, phys ed or? Oh no, I taught, when I went into teaching, I taught. Uh, no, what did you teach at Ferguson? What were you doing? Sixth, seventh, and eighth. And teaching them what? Everything. Oh. In an elementary school of that type, you taught. Reading, writing, and reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah, I had about six or eight uh -huh. different courses that I would okay. teach for three grades. I see. Right. <laughs> Which is, and I did that same thing in Virginia. So, what were you seeing over there, as far as the books, as far as conditions of school, as far as the te quality of the school and the teachers? Tell me. Oh, I thought you know the quality of the teachers was just fantastic. I'm one who feels that uh, even though youngsters didn't have the greatest uh, piece of uh, latest textbooks, uh, whatever we had, the teachers were able to make it functional and make it worthwhile. And that's a part of the segment of where I would come through all the way through our education. They can talk about the fact that we didn't have, I don't know whether we had the best books or not, but, but those people that I went to school with, went, they never stopped. They did some of the greatest things in the country, you know, generals in the army and all that kind of business, they weren't, uh, that wouldn't stop them from being outstanding accomplishment in their careers. They did it anyway. And so, and in 1950, uh, when I came back to Ferguson, I think that was 50, and yeah, I only stayed there one year. And uh, I was applying to get into St. Louis all the time anyway. But they decided that they would, I just walked in at the right time. 
at the headquarters office on uh, 9th Street on what, the Lucas. What, what, what was going on Nothing. at that school? No, I'm just at, get back to the Ferguson at what school. school. What, what was to my original question? Why was I, why was I moving? Why was I interested? No, what was the school system like then? You, it, was, it was satisfactory. But before the integration, I'm trying to get a sense of what it was like before the integration, and then what happened. My experiences were you were placed in a room with three grades of about 35 youngsters, and, and you attempted to teach six subjects to each grade, uh, and you drove it home, and, and they tried to learn it, and we didn't miss we were not supervised by the whites in Virginia, and I don't think we were supervised in Ferguson. They just let us go over there and do what we would, and those youngsters learned as best they could. But you didn't have all three grades in one classroom, did you? Uh -huh. You had third, fourth? I had sixth, seventh, and eighth. Grades in, 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 in one, one classroom. That's right. Two rows of sixth graders, two rows of seventh graders, and two rows of eighth graders with different books for each one. Sounds like a one-room school. It is. It was. Same thing next door. We only had four teachers for the whole. They were just taking care of a small segment of over on Carson Road. And, uh, so how, 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 did that, how could you get to people? I mean, how do you feel that, that I'm not kidding. How did we get to I'm people? I'm not asking you about your abilities. I'm just saying, yeah. how was it possible to give children what they needed? Well, um, if you give children what they needed by opening the textbook and making assignments, and while you teach these sixth graders, the seventh or are reading a certain chapter and you read the, and you had to be organized in order to do that. And um, then you'd leave them and you come on to these folk and you, they get their social studies list. Now they're hearing some of that and they're developing and from it. Then you go on to eighth grade and you see your teacher your social studies. You've got an hour to do three classes and um, then you've got six hours to teach six subjects because you were teaching and then you took them out and you had some little physical education and uh, you ate right there in the school. Did they bring know. their lunch? Yes, they brought their lunch. Were you able to answer any of their questions? Did they have a chance within that? Oh, yeah. Power to? Uh, always. If there are any questions, you know, as you would finish a section and a subject, a grade and a subject, you if there were any questions, they could. But you did move along pretty quickly. You didn't have a lot of time, you know, because you had to do three, three classes. Okay, so now, so integration comes. Well, I left, um, yes, I left Carson, Ferguson, and went to Stowe College as a physical ed teacher. I'm not sure what was that. I guess maybe what four years later they came up with integration. It seemed like I was still longer than that. I may get a little bit mixed up on it's those hard. years sometimes. Just generally. Yeah. 
But I went from Ferguson and I taught at Stowe for three or four years and that was strictly segregated teacher education. What were people, what were black teachers uh, thinking at the time when this came along? And, and Stowe was college, so what was, what were people saying about the about the Brown, possibility. Brown versus Board of Education. Oh. Yeah, what were they thinking? Did... We were not, um, we were part of a syndrome. We had a job to do. We didn't worry about that. That was up in Topeka. And uh, no, Thurgood Marshall had his job to do, and he was doing it, and we'd read about it. Uh, we relate with one another every now and then with some social gathering we teachers would get together or up in the teachers room uh, but we were not uh, gun whole with concern for it we were just uh, it, it was happening and uh, we would be a part of whatever came along but we were not highly concerned because there was racism and there was a trial going on and so at least I wasn't and if they were more and I mean uh, the rest of the faculty. We not stole. We had a faculty of about seventy-five. Maybe the social studies teachers were more uh, involved in the thinking of it, or the education instructors may have been more involved in it. Uh, maybe we down in physical education weren't weren't as in, as uh, as well informed of them. But I didn't feel that we had a lot of. I don't get a reflection of there being a great deal of discussion about the positioning with regards to that. We just lived with whatever came along. And um, it did come, and during the summer they decided what portion of our faculty would go over to Harris, and I don't know what they did at Harris, whether they kept all their people or not. That was. Uh, that was a trying time, trying in the sense that now all of a sudden as a faculty person, uh, you go in and, you, um, and you're competing with other faculty members. And there were some there who would be, and I'm talking about as Harris, who were not as friendly, couldn't adjust, uh, held off to themselves, wanted the job that you might come in and take, and so forth and so on. But that there was a period of tenseness there, a little in the faculty. Students had no problem at all. They just came in and integrated and had great relationships. They didn't like the idea really of race involvement. I'd imagine they didn't come there because I have reflections that kids were wonderful and. Uh, we had some great experiences and uh, go to cafeteria there and, and uh, there was a lot of um, good relationship. Uh, these desegregated schools now, the youngsters, the black all set over in one corner pretty much and don't mix. There's a set that do, but the majority kind of segregate themselves. And, Insofar as my experience now, I'm talking Webster. Mm -hmm. I've got to stay back at Harris for a few minutes. Did, did uh, yeah, but I'd like to pick up on that point later. Okay. Uh, Stowe moved to Harris. 
they closed Stowe. And we moved to where, Harris. Where had Stowe been? In that community where I crossed the street from Sumner High School. Uh, they had built a building just for it. And it was a, a cottage in Kennerly. Kennerly and Pendleton. In that same complex where the Sumner High School was. Turner Middle Turner School Is for that, the Handicapped. Did you tell me that building was still there? Sumner? No. I know Sumner yeah, yeah, they've turned it into Stowe Middle School. Okay. It's a school for six, sevens, and eights. Okay. Now, uh, so you went down to Harris, which yeah. is what Harris Stowe is now. No, that was Vashon. That was Vashon, right. Something. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, we, we, went, we went from Stowe over to a building that they, um, on Enright. I think that was Enright Elementary School. It's a huge building. With a track out in the front, everything it had, uh, and we had some good years over there. We had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun doing all the things that we did, including our sports, which has involved me. I enjoyed that so much. We related with uh, Concordia, Lutheran, and Principia, and all up and down over there, and. Uh, there's a little towns in Illinois, Blackburn College, and uh, we didn't go as big as Carbondale, Edwardsville, and those places. They were too big for us, but those little schools, we related with them a lot, and those were all, there weren't any blacks in those schools. We took an integrated team, but we would... Uh, so you were going into little towns? Yeah. And it, and it worked okay? Say what? It worked okay? Well, very well. Very well. Had a lot of fun. Went to Principia. We'd spend the day. We'd take a track team and a baseball team and then have lunch with them. And uh, we didn't, uh, let's see, we went up to, uh, what's that town? I don't know. It's, uh, Jacksonville. Forgot the name of the school right now, but we'd have we had nice experiences in each of those places. Those they kind of you know this is unusual. You got some black students coming and they don't. They had a few. I guess they had some black students somewhere. I didn't see them because everything we did, we, all the young people were white, and uh, that so was the staff. And and our we wouldn't have been there if the athletic director wasn't broad-minded and said we'd like to have you come over, you know. Oh, and so it, it was an invitation? Yes. Kind of it wasn't a conference or anything. They just, uh, they needed some black schools small to play also. And we were the smallest of all, and they figured they could probably beat us, so they'd like to have us come, you know. But that didn't happen. We, we were able to. We'd pack up a bus on a Saturday at about 1 o'clock, cheerleaders and, and um, Half of them were white. The Harris, I'm now at Harris. I did this at Stowe, too. But at Harris, uh, the cheerleaders had about two out of eight were, were black, and the others were white. They competed for those just like they do now in the high schools. And um, 
students who wanted to come along and students who wanted until we got a busload and we'd take a busload to each of those places each Saturday. Yeah, you're saying it's at Harris, but it's Harris Stowe, wasn't it? It wasn't then. It wasn't then. It was Harris for about, um, I think, eight years, about eight years. Then somebody realized that they had dropped the name Stowe, and Stowites wanted it to have their name involved, too. Mm -hmm. So they got the Board of Education and Board of Education combined the names. I think they combined them when Harris went down on uh, Laclede. And uh, that's the building that, you know, if Ashan ceased to be there, it went over on Grand and Bell. And, um, and they combined those names and put them in that Stowe Harris situation they're in. And uh, did you read the paper this morning? How great things that are happening in Harris Stowe? Oh, yes, they're opening up the educational, it, not just Other teaching. fields. Yes. Now, you can get a degree in not only in elementary education, but in secondary education and business and, and another thing. Yeah. Yes. That's the ultimate growth. Henry yeah. Givens, the president, was one who came along. I taught him as a youngster down back there in the YMCA. I've seen him grow all the way up. He was at Webster when I went out there. He was just a, he was a principal of an elementary school out there. When I went to the high school, he didn't stay there but about a year, though he got his doctorate degree and that was it. He was gone to commissioner, assistant commissioner of education for the state. And he's been doing greater things every, ever since. He's in my church, incidentally, we talk. And he's in my fraternity. <laughs> so we don't what have- What fraternity is that? Uh, I'm in Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, it's international fraternity with people and men all over the world. Our fraternity, uh, black fraternities, stay very functionally together for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, I know that uh, many of these that I've seen at Washington U and those places, those guys go four years in fraternity and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's over. But, um, but uh, the four black fraternities and the four black ladies, sororities, once they come out, their careers continue in their activities and annual uh, meetings and regional meetings and all that. We stay, we stay together. And you do, you do uh, philanthropic things, I believe, don't you? Yes, to a degree, mainly helping black youth to understand themselves and interpret where they want to go and where they should want to go, and uh, and paying, giving scholarships for them, helping them to pay their way. That's the most functional things that we do, and uh, I guess that's uh, you couldn't do a more serviceable thing because they certainly touch many many young men, fraternity. They're not segregated, by the way. Could have whites, and one or two come every now and then. They're accepted. There's nothing in our rules and bylaws that says that they can't be a, a Kappa man. It's just that uh, in order to achieve that, there has to be a white youngster who is uh, of a type of, in his own individual self, that he could uh, handle that. Uh, I want to move 
to Webster when you were the vice principal, did you say? Yes. Okay. Um, and how did that happen? Is that that's a promotion that you got to be a vice principal? Not really. It was a lateral move. I was a vice principal of Sumner. I see. When they, when Harris uh, got ready to move downtown, they had cut the staff. So there was a public school system, and so they sent some of us back to various high schools, and I went to Sumner. And uh, I spent seven or eight very wonderful years over there in physical education, then out of physical education into administrative assistant, out of that into vice principal at Sumner. That's where I became the vice principal in charge at that point in time with more or less discipline. And that's why they came. They had integration and they were having so many problems trying to deal with the young people, the black the youngsters. Yes. All right, well tell me about that. Well, they came down to talk to me and uh, almost uh, had me come out there as a principal of their elementary school. I think their integration problems were, of course, within their own selves, their own black youngsters, and plus the desegregation where they were bringing in by bus youngsters from downtown and giving them problems. And it wasn't working too well, and they felt they could use advice and help from a black staff person. Between the, the black youth of downtown and the black youth of Webster, or the white youth? Black youth of downtown mm -hmm. and the faculty. And everybody, these youngsters were so the, hard to handle. Okay, uh, I want to ask you a question. I understand from some people that I've talked to that there is a when they stopped the corporal punishment that that made a big difference in handling the children. Um, Corporal punishment, meaning um, that you could hitting them mm -hmm, with, you couldn't you do that in high school anyway. If there hadn't been any stopping of it, that would have been catastrophic. That doesn't stop anything. In my opinion... I think, I guess I'm talking of elementary school level. Yeah, well, okay, now you, yeah, that's another harsh. Well, I'm still not for corporal punishment. I don't feel that the, I think a youngster who gets to the point that he should, he, he challenges the system to that point, then uh, he may need to have his own uh, kind of a school. I think that's the best solution for those youngsters. They won't let others learn because they, they can't. So therefore, nobody else can. I won't let it go. I know that because when I retired, I went, I decided for a year, about a year, that I'd be a substitute teacher and I'd go to classrooms. And I could teach in a classroom of 30 to 35, I could teach 32 of them. But three of them were not going to let it happen. And they'd act clown and silly and saying wrong things and getting up and hitting people and all that. And all the rest, that other 32 would be so disgusted with them because they wanted to learn. And those three didn't have it, and they weren't going to let anybody else get it. 
and uh, but back to Webster. <laughs> uh, my experience there as an assistant principal was basically to meet and develop a relationship with those youngsters who came in on the bus. And I, of course, I my job was really basically one whole grade level. In other words, uh, that school had 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. And so there were three vice presidents, one for 10th, one for 11th, and one for 12th. So I worked with all youngsters who were 10th grade. Or I took them from 10th grade, and then the next year we'd be 11th grade, and then the next year we'd be 12th grade. Uh, and there would be uh, 600. I had, I had three counselors, two secretaries, and... Um, and this was the integrated staff? Oh, yeah. Well, it sure was integrated staff, but there weren't a whole lot of blacks at the high school. I think uh, at the most of us, there were about maybe five or six of us, assistant principal, two black counselors, maybe four black teachers in the whole school. I have one other question for you that I've heard mm -hmm. said to me that there is a difference between the black and white child as far as their backgrounds, as far as how they've been disciplined, and that if a teacher doesn't recognize it, um, that there are certain things that they can, oh, that a black teacher will know when two black youngsters get up in each other's faces, as you call it, that they're not always going to fuss and fight, that they're just kind of, Mm -hmm. that, that's their way of doing whatever, you know, and that sometimes a white teacher will see that and make more out of it than it is, whereas a, someone who understands or isn't, or, or maybe they're not taught to understand, you know, could defray or, is, is there any, did you see any of there is a difference, difference being that uh, the parents of white youngsters in many cases have come through generations of studying, of accomplishing, and, uh, and they have more to pass on to the youngsters and uh, inner inspiration and uh, guidance and understanding of how to get them to realize what their goals should be and how they should conduct themselves. Uh, the black youngsters' parents are generally just one step out of ignorance and not having gone past eighth grade and what have you. And uh, so they can't give that youngster anything, nothing. There's a lot now of highly educated black youngsters and they are going places because their parents could lay them, lay it out a foundation for them and let them know and tell them where they expect him to go, and the youngster learns and gets that point and does it. And he's a good student as a result. I think that uh, the youngsters who are uh, most failing to uh, cooperate and to accomplish were disadvantaged when they were five years old. And they've been disadvantaged ever since. And uh, they're disruptive because they know within themselves they are not capable. Was there a difference between the 
five or seven or eight year old black child of today, are you talking about those children today? Or always? Was it different when you grew up? Uh, it wasn't different, really. I guess those, uh, we were all I mean, black, so therefore nobody showed off or anything, you know. The teachers had the controls. What I'm saying is, when you're talking about parents handing things down, are you talking about, for everybody, are you talking about now versus then? Now versus then. So now the reason that the black, as you try to bring them over here with the whites and, and try to take them on from there, they don't have, they don't bring anything with them. That the white youngster brings a, a better background, most of them. There's always that frag segment of them too, sure. who are failing and, and their parents are also weren't prepared and couldn't give them a background. But the white youngsters generally have a better background, a history of um, travel, been around the Webster group, you know, they have a pretty nice economic community and many of those youngsters travel. They know what, you, what Europe is and all that kind of thing. And these youngsters are coming off of Ninth Street on a bus and it's just, they're way behind. And um, well, you could say they're just unfortunate because they have no background to, to bring with them. And so you, you hope that somehow or another they can get it, though, and, uh, and, and overcome that. So what happened to you when you were out there? How did it go? How did you handle what you had to handle? Pretty well. What I had to handle was, was, it, uh, was it a class that was uh, hard to my, handle. Out of my 600, uh, I didn't have any difficulty handling it. Uh, I had problems with the black parents, too. You know, they just had a chip on their shoulder, and, and you were misusing their child. They didn't come and say, you know, tell me what to tell him or tell me what to have him do. They came, you're black and you are um, uh, playing favoritisms up here. And they still got that kind of attitude about the Webster High School over in the, you know, how that's set up. That's there. All the blacks over in North Webster, and uh, the rest is Webster as a whole, which is a extremely broad, but pretty well uh, sponsored financially educational setup. Those people are paying uh, six dollars per hundred, six seventy-five per hundred, and that's pretty good. They pay well for their educational system, and. Um, my experiences with it were all fold, you know. I mean, I, at the point of my dealing with my youngsters, uh, that was not too difficult, but there were uh, lots of others in the other grade levels and all, and they had all kinds of, some were good, a few. I'd say more bad than good insofar as um, insofar as being able to really be up on the par. I recall now that uh, counselors generally put them in subjects that were less challenging. There were courses there that were way up here and weren't even black youngsters in those because they couldn't, 
they didn't have the elementary background to cope with that. And so they never put them in. But they could graduate. They had enough subjects available that they could get the credits to graduate without getting up in those highly technical courses, trigonometry, and advanced geometry, and all that. Now, there were a few black youngsters who maybe grew up in the Webster school system, and they had always had those. I felt, I felt that there was an answer that was never really voiced. And that answer was not altogether educational. That answer was sociological also. In other words, white youngsters saw black youngsters. Excuse me. They'd never seen them before. Oh. In their community, they oh. grew up in a white community, and they and only black they ever saw was the gal that came and was a maid in the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, many of them were very attracted to each other. There were some good relationships and some and some. I won't relate with them, kind of thing, and 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 some who uh, had some very good relationships. Was there preparation done before? I mean, like calling the mothers and fathers there and saying, "Look, this is what's going to happen," and and you know, the best thing we can do is to give our children a, a positive point of view. I don't think they said that to parents or to the adults. I think they attempted to, so far as I could see, integrate um, through a normal process, everybody for the same process, so we won't talk about your relationship, what you tell your children about their relationship with these other children. I don't think they got that far into it. Now, they could have done whatever they wanted to because those parents are out there. They are available. When they have parent conference, parent-teachers meeting, they had to use the auditorium as opposed to in the city where those people, the parents and adults, hardly come. I used to go and wear my granddaughter over in the elementary school, and I would go with my wife uh, to go represent her, and we'd be the only people at the parent-teachers conference and uh, parent-teachers meeting. Again, folk not believing in coming out and being a part of the problem and attempting to deal with it. Just like I was saying about, uh, what was that, uh, the voting. Mm -hmm. yeah, they just uh, aren't into that. And so it, the kid suffers as a result, and of course they're not into it because they don't have a background themselves. It wasn't passed on to them, that's for sure. But um, basically, you asked me a question, and I was about to answer insofar as, um, was busing good? I think that's uh -huh. what you asked me. And, um, and I would say yes. Uh, I think it was a opportunity across the country for blacks and whites to get to know each other at another level early in life so that they grew up not coming, as I said, uh, out of a white community that had never seen black youngsters. Black kids and white kids had never seen each other. 
And I think it may have pulled us through a hump and maybe we don't need it as much as we did then because during that desegregation process and the busing, uh, housing changed. And uh, they could pick up from where they left off insofar as that was concerned and live it in their communities. Now they live it in in the communities as well. And I, as they cease to desegregate and pull the buses out of the picture, and send the black youngster who is in that community to his neighborhood school. Um, it may, it may help them to uh, that busing that they did may help them to survive that, and there won't be as many youngsters anyway who will not, who will be uh, coming back in to go to school in the city system. I don't know. I haven't been privy to the information as to when that's going to happen, but I can see it coming. They're spending millions of dollars trying to get those schools up to up to par so they can call them magnet schools and better quality education, and it might work. Why are they stopping the busing in St. Louis? Uh, you know what? I really can't answer that question for you, except for the expense, the high expense, and there were always uh, people who were anti-bus because of the expense you were putting into it. And that was coming out of the political ramifications, so far as I can see. And uh, I don't know, I think it's the judge, the judges will permit them to stop. It isn't done by a vote of the people. We didn't have anything to do with the deciding to do it. Mm -hmm. And when it stops, we won't. The judges will be this, will make that decision. And I think that there's unwritten information. I might call you one of these days because I can talk directly with uh, Assistant Superintendent of Education, Board of Education of St. Louis, and, and just ask him why are they stopping? desegregated buses. Do you, what do you feel, I was, I sometimes ask this of a person, uh, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to change the question a little bit and ask it, what do you think about the children who came? What do you think that the children who came out that were bust, or what do you think of anybody who leaves one world and enters another? Do you think they, what do you think they have to give up? Or what do you think they have to change? And how difficult is that? Um, I think it was good for them. Um, the change showed them a world that many of them hadn't seen before and they probably would have greater aspiration in it. They were all, there, there was an element of youngsters who got into that desegregation program who came out on buses who were problem people who were difficult to, uh, to handle and to work with. Because I suppose that they were jealous of the other youngsters and so forth, so they, they were not happy in that situation. And uh, but they came anyway. So basically, 
uh, I think that it helped them to see another world. When you had a few of those children, since this was your job, to see what, what, how you could help them adjust, I suppose, the ones that weren't, what did they say to you, and what did you say to them, generally speaking, or specifically, if you can think of a certain uh, instance? How, how did you go about trying to help them adjust, uh, generally, understand. I generally uh, attempted to point out to them that uh, in the long run the world was there for them to accomplish. The world didn't owe them anything. They had to prepare themselves. They needed to prepare themselves and they needed to understand their fellow classmates and that they couldn't just take off and do whatever they wanted, but they had to stay within the framework of this design that was set up by society. And uh, of course, each youngster had their own problems, and most times it was coming out of the home. And if you didn't know that, but well, we dealt with the home a good bit. And we were in touch with the parents. And I'd call the parents in and sit around the table with them and the students. And could they get all the way from 9th Street out to? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, when I say I would, I see I had the Webster kids too, the North Webster kids. Yeah, uh, they could. They had to get out there. There were points and times when they either had to come and bring that youngster and sit down to talk, they or they couldn't come, and they'd find somebody to bring them out in a car, you know, and who would sit outside in a car and wait for them to finish talking to me. But, uh, Did that, it help? I think so. Many times. We weren't perfect, but many times it helped. All right. Um, see, those people didn't see the school. They didn't know where they were sending their children. And uh, they needed to come and get a flavor, sense of the flavor of the total. It helped them just to walk in the front door. The parent. And, but it must have been hard too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go someplace that you couldn't go, or that you're not comfortable, or. Yeah, yeah. There might have been some uncomfortableness about that. I hadn't given that uh, side of it too much thought, but. Uh, and there was not a lot of that, but that was what I would do about it. In most cases, I dealt with the parents, and uh, I felt that just dealing with the child alone, if they're maladjusted, was uh, a waste of time. You had to have some parental backing. So what do you think they had to do to change? What, what did they have to The parent had to better understand what the challenge was and help the child by saying to them what there is and what they wanted them to do and if they wanted them to, and that they wanted them to cooperate better and well, so I, forth. So. I, I understand sometimes that there's a way of speaking, that people speak in a different way when they're with people, you know, that, that they're all alike. But when, when there's a change, 
the racial change, then you speak differently. People speak differently. Um, it could be a, a group of uh, people of one religion, too, but the people do do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering, um, my question before is, what, what do people have to give up? Do they have to give up a certain a way of acting, and do they take on when they get out to where they're bus to, and then they change when they get back? They would have to, uh, insofar as the busing, bust youngster was concerned, they needed to make a little better adjustment in their emotional feeling about their coming into that society and coming into that kind of an educational system as opposed to where they had been and where they even lived. On occasion we did, the principal and I, go downtown to where they lived. Call like in Calling Village. Mm -hmm. That's pretty unfortunate. That's when you realize what they were coming from. Those youngsters were really at a disadvantage, and such an extreme. Except that, uh, you know, it w they weren't going to homes out there. They were going to the school system. But they certainly were coming out of uh, degradating home situations, and they had to make adjustments. Um, all right, we're going to leave the school now, and I just have really a couple more questions. Uh, one of them is to do with uh, public accommodations. We talked before about the places that you could and couldn't go and so forth. And so when that changed in the 60s, um, how did that affect you and your family? And uh, where did you go and what did you do that you might not have been able to do before? Well, I went to the best. <laughs> <laughs> and did you do it right away? Pretty uh, much. Yes. Uh, I go out there on St. Louis. Saint, oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. I don't go there too much anymore. But I, we did our share going into these public places and and having the services given to us and What so was on. the best though? What was when you said we did the best? What, what's uh, the best? Uh, St. Louis, uh, what's it out on? Um, just to the north of Forsyth. There's a very fine, on my, on some kind of anniversary, I just took the wife out there, you know, and that all these waiters, one puts it on, the other takes it off, and and um, we just had the place a place that's open now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it okay. still is. I just, I haven't been out there in some years. Now there's so many. There was Port of St. Louis, I know, but that was a while ago. Is it is it gone now? I, I think it is gone. Well, that's where I think it was. Yeah. Out on Clayton. Are you yes. Clayton? Uh, -huh. uh huh. Yeah. Is it gone? Port of St. Louis? I sorry to hear that. I didn't need it any longer because there's so many and we have so many experiences and we go to all the so levels. How, how you go to all the what I'm sorry? Mm hmm You go out to all the 
To all the levels? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, we don't, if we're going, it's going to be a little nicer, you know, one of the nicer mm -hmm. places, uh, like one of the hotels. But at first, at first, what, what was it like to go places where you hadn't been before, or was it easy? Was it was easy, basic, because I hadn't been too far away from it all the time. You know, even when I was uh, in school, uh, graduate school and all those kind of times, uh, we didn't really want to go to those because we didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. So, uh, therefore, we weren't feeling restricted because we didn't have the money to go if they had said, come on, you know. But by the time they opened it up, we were beginning to achieve enough financially that we could use them and go. And so we didn't have any difficulty doing it once we they opened it up. One woman said to me that, that she, it wasn't integration she wanted, it was money. It wasn't integration she wanted, it was money? Yeah, she wanted money. Not, not, not so much integration as money because it was money that took you into the restaurants that had tablecloths and so forth. Um, I never, never had any, any feeling about money, per se. You know, if it was a high-class place and they wanted to charge more, that's what we would plan to do. Mm -hmm. and if they didn't do anything else, they got this credit card, we could <laughs> <laughs> pay for it on time, but go. But movies and, and are there any places that you you wouldn't go to now because you couldn't go then and they were so unpleasant to you or something like that? Is there? No, I don't. Uh, I don't have too many inhibitions about that. Uh, I have no feeling that uh, I'm not going to go now because I couldn't go then. Like the Fox Theater. Mm -hmm. If they got a show down there that I want to see, I can't worry about what they were doing 50 years ago. I'm going to go to see the shows. <laughs> um, what about civil rights in St. Louis? Uh, were you ever uh, a part or uh, did you keep up with it or did you belong to any organizations? And was there well, we're very much aware of it in our fraternity. And uh, we keep a close touch with it. As a matter of fact, the head of the Urban League is right there with us. We don't call on him, uh, you know, anything like that. All of us are um, civil rights conscious. And all of us keep up with it. We know what is basically going on. So uh, we don't uh, go out maybe as much as we probably should and attempt to do something about it, but we certainly are aware mm -hmm. of all the circumstances. Uh, what do your children tell you about race or uh, how, what, how has that been in your family? The children? Mm -hmm. What children. children? Your children. My children? Your own children. <laughs> They're strong, radically race-conscious, um, came through at that change over time, started at Beaumont High School at that point in time and uh, had to cope. And so they uh, 
they don't tell me too much, but I hear them express themselves, and they're very well aware of the um, of the need that they have to have to be prepared. And of course, uh, prepared. Prepared, yeah. Capable of of uh, dealing on a day-to-day basis insofar as their jobs are concerned. For instance, my daughter, uh, she went on to college, finished one, went to another and got a master's, worked about three or four years, went to Michigan, got a master's. Now she's over in Washington, D.C. with the um, Health Institute. And and she's very much aware when I hear talk, she's making them be aware of what the black youngsters need to hear and do as opposed to what the institute thinks ought to be a general piece of information. And she's, she's pointing it toward the black youngster to speak a certain language to them and, uh, and to stop a stigma that makes them feel that they are the problem and she's drug and alcohol. And uh, they're doing the national scene, you know, the writing the necessary um, data to go on radios and billboards, billboards throughout the uh, country, so forth. And there, she's very strong on that. That's her, that's her job. And um, my son is in drug and alcohol up in Virginia. Uh, what's the name of that huge, I can't call the name of it, just outside of Washington, D.C. also. And uh, he doesn't talk a whole lot about it, but I know he must be doing a job over there because he's been there now for many years. And uh, Is it a rehabilitation? It's a what? Is it a rehabilitation center of some kind? Oh, oh is it a reasonable location? No, is it a re- rehabilitation center? No, I don't think so. No, no, it isn't. Oh, oh. It's a housing complex, oh. apparently, in which they are available to all that community. I see. As yeah. a counselor and as a... Yeah. Okay. Um, so their life is different from yours in some ways. What's yeah. the main way their life is different from yours? Yes. Which, what's the main... The difference? Yeah, main difference. Well, they've got to deal with those folks. No, no, no. What is the main way that their life has been different than yours? Oh. Well, I had le- I had learned mine from scratch. But as I passed on to them, and as I brought them up, I saw to it that they had good experiences and, and broadening experiences, and they didn't start from scratch. Uh, they had attitudes at that camp. My daughter and son went to that same river cliff, and they were still teaching values. And uh, so they came out of that as children with good values and uh, high esteem for themselves and so forth. So you're saying your parents weren't educated like you were, and that's what you're saying from scratch. That's right. You did it yourself. That's right. You self-directed. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there anything that I haven't brought up and talked about that 
do you think might be important um, that you would want to say or that, that an area we should talk about? I think we've touched on just across the board pretty good, pretty well. We've talked about sociological and about educational, and uh, I think that uh, those are the major needs of concern, and uh, I don't know of anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, when you were growing up, did anyone ever talk about the 1917 East St. Louis race riots? Very little. Why um, do you suppose that was? It was such a terrible thing. Why do you suppose there wasn't more conversation about that, either in the schools or? The school would be the only place to get it. I'm not sure my parents and my people in my neighborhood and area knew what that was all about. Mm -hmm. I still don't. You must know more than I do. No, I, I, the reason I always, when we interviewed in the black community before for other things and exhibits, one of the questions that we asked was why there had been no riots, large riots in St. Louis. What made St. Louis different? Mm -hmm. And so after knowing about those 17 riots and interviewing somebody there, I wondered if the knowledge of that riot had sort of dampened the idea of anybody having a race riot here. And I, I, I don't know that there is any connection, but... Uh, uh, you see, we're, we're great for not having had any education or talked about the black history, per se, until after 54, the black history. And you see, in 1917, I hadn't been born until three years later. And... And uh, that was a thing of the past, I guess. So far as talking about it was concerned, it was all over. And if they didn't have any action on this side of the river, it just wasn't a part of our community's thinking. And uh, black history, per se, was not being taught in the elementary schools or the high school. It is not until the last 10 or 15 years that they've realized the fact that all the many things that have happened in the black community have not been talked about. The black world, the, the, the great inventors, um, many aspects of the black persons have never been mentioned in schools. It wasn't, I doubt it, the white, I guess they could have known if they wanted to and could have taught something about it. I never had it mentioned. Uh, is there anything about, is there any situation during the day that makes you consciously aware of the color of your skin? Situation during today? Mm -hmm. This day? Today, tomorrow, yesterday, last mm -hmm. week? I have had most pronounced to me the judgment of the judicial field. Uh, we resent how quickly they can take the person who has made some mistake, who is black, and they throw on him a jail sentence. 
when SNL went down and all these men took millions of dollars from the public and all they did was slap their wrist, we resent that. That's the most, and that's just, Clay was very close to us in that we, his mother is a friend of ours. And, uh, and I don't say, and I'm not arguing for Clay, because I don't know the details, and apparently he was, they got him enough that they're going to try to send him, they're going to send him to jail. By the same token, Mr. Bush's son stole a million dollars. They're going to send who to jail? They're going to send Mr. Clay. Bill Clay? No, not Bill Clay. Oh. Uh, this gentleman is, uh, was the mayor of Kenlock. Oh, oh, excuse me. Okay, <laughs> oh, go no. ahead. Uh, no, this I'm going to say, I, I missed that newspaper. <laughs> no, no. Okay, the mayor of Kenlock. He was involved in supposedly uh, cutbacks in, with a construction firm, and very quickly now they registered shoot him on off to jail, but they didn't do anything to Mr. Bush's son. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the judicial system bothers uh, us more than anything else. Uh, not to say that Mr. Clay should not be penalized, but uh, the way the rich boys are doing their thing and getting away with it does bother me and us, speaking of the wife and our society. We are aware of that. And uh, not sure what we can do about it, but uh, excited to express ourselves in writing and through public and through the Urban League and so forth. I think I have one more question. Okay. Um, the role of the media in St. Louis in cementing or separating um, people of different colors, uh, whether it's the radio or television or the newspapers, Black Inn, the Post-Dispatch, the American, uh, St. Louis Magazine, uh, Past, Globe, Star, Times. The role of those? Mm -hmm. The role of that and... Well... I don't feel, uh, you know, any uh, major issue exists that they have dealt with unfairly. As a whole, nothing rings a bell with me. It seems to me that uh, they do their job more or less of relating what the circumstances are and what the situation is. Mm -hmm. I don't have any great feeling of that they are uh, as far off as the judicial field is. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think you've been so patient, and I appreciate it. Uh, well, I, I hope could ask you more, but I think that's enough. <laughs> um, I think uh, you've answered. I hope there was some substance to my uh, answers. Lots thoughtful, thoughtful, and um, and informative, and. Uh, you know, you actually lived it, and that's that's what I wanted. So I I do appreciate it that you're giving up your time, and I and I also appreciate the questions that you asked me before. Very good. Like, who okay. am I? Yeah. <laughs>